0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Liberty Portal podcast. Another exciting show for you today because alien disclosure is here or is it? We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the Biden bribery scheme that is picking up some steam. Uh, We've got a new report from the House Oversight Committee chair on that. Uh, Could be some pretty damning stuff in there. Trump has officially been indicted over the documents that he took from the White House during his presidency, and the SEC has officially filed fraud charges against the two largest crypto exchanges in the united states we're going to get into all of that stuff if you are just tuning in on youtube please do like and subscribe uh and uh, wherever else you're listening to this podcast we appreciate it if you give us a follow and a review and of course share this with your friends to talk about all these interesting things we've got my main man david rand how are you
1: I, I like the
2: alliteration there. Main man David. Main Rand. man David. That was good, man. he's he's in the groove today. I'm just I'm killing it. Four yeah. hours of sleep
0: does wonders for you. Apparently, <laughs> he's also a rapper. He's, well.
3: like, he's throwing in the rhymes everywhere for you.
2: I'm trying not to dox <laughs> that other life of mine. So if you could just uh,
0: not do that, it'd be great. If you had a rapper name, what would, what would it be? <sighs> Probably something ginger related. Yeah. To be honest, DJ I mean, Skittles, pretty trite. Something but like that. Yeah. Okay. DJ Skittles. Uh,
2: like Eminem play. I don't know. Lil <laughs> Lil Ginge. <laughs> Lil Ginge. That sounds great. We'll go with that. Yeah. Hey everybody. Thanks for watching.
0: Yo, I'm Kyle. I also go by Captain Quigley on Twitter. I'm here. And he's excited to talk about the SEC thing because he's our crypto bro, as you all know. Yeah. Well, let's get into the top story today, which some have labeled distraction from other things. We've probably talked about it in that context before, but there seems to be a renewed urgency, a renewed legitimacy to the alien disclosure conversation because we have some new well, reports and sightings and, and of course, this whistleblower coming forward saying the United States has alien spacecraft and bodies of, of extraterrestrial pilots. David, why don't you start us off on this one? What's the why do you think that this disclosure is more substantial and more legitimate than perhaps it has been in the past?
2: Well, OK, so. This is one of those epistemological questions, knowledge questions that are so important, right? What is, yeah, that's how closely, epistemological. Yeah, it means? the knowledge questions, the okay. philosophy of knowledge. Like, how do you know what you think you know? What what do you believe is true versus what do you just intuit? Sure. Right, so for a lot of people, they're looking at aliens and they're saying, I have no material evidence. I've never experienced this, but people say that is. Obviously, direct material evidence is a higher standard than if someone just says, hey, I had this experience that was weird and I can't explain there's another one if you have material evidence and you're looking at it. Well, we do have some interesting material evidence of something we can't explain. Uh, we've had that for some time on various different mediums. Uh, you know, Back in the day, obviously, it was blurry pictures and stuff like that, and the, the, uh, skepticism is warranted. Uh, the question is, is right now with some of the evidence that's come out in the last, t- is it 10 years? Uh, additionally, some of the evidence that come out very recently on top of the testimony of this what you're mentioning, this article, of a gentleman who has a lot of credentials in the intelligence community using a part of a National Defense Authorization Act subsection that basically said, it is not, it's a it is not a violation of your duties as intelligence officer to go directly to a Congress a member of Congress and give them disclosed information.
0: And so that's what he did. He basically said, "I, I have this knowledge of what's going on and I'm going specifically to a member of Congress to try to bring this to light because it's something he thinks the public should know about but he didn't just go send it to the new york new york times or something for example
2: right right so this this isn't technically it's not a leak right it's using a new relatively new and it's interesting there's a trend here there's actually a couple different trends going on with people doing that as a process because if you go through the official channels as this guy testifies uh, if you try to go through the typical western you know executive branch exclusive channels, there's a tremendous amount of persecution that happens from other people in the intelligence community who might or might not want that out. Right. Uh, so you have, a, um, you know, of course no one would be surprised by the incentive structure. Everyone kind of belongs to the same culture, the same organization. So when, you know, you have information that makes the organization maybe look bad or undermines credibility in that organization, the the gr- group is going to rally against you and try to make things hard on you and that's definitely what we've seen when it comes to spying right i mean snowden specifically said w- one of the reasons why he didn't use the typical channels is because if you do you, you know sometimes you end up you end up with problems right in your life the rest of your life is terrible because the the agency will make it so yeah um so whether or not you believe that ultimately i mean you can see the incentive structure so he brings us to a congressman has this huge reputation Begins talking about this stuff at the same time we have NASA with a four-hour briefing talking about UAPs, unidentified aerial, aerial phenomena. phenomena, and this new office of uh, what's it called, AARO, of uh, that is government Anominally research organization functionally, uh, and with this, you know, you have some really interesting um, information that's kind of coming out uh, that they're talking about when they they're basically saying we we don't know what this is we. Don't have uh, for a lot of these reports we have explanations, but not all of them. And the ones that we can't explain are really disturbing, right? Because they are things that don't behave in ways that we can explain. Uh, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah. NASA's their role in this is very interesting too, because one of the things, if you look at their four-hour briefing, we do have a quick summary, or at least like a section of, of of one of the things they covered. One of the things they say up front is we are doing this because we want to reduce the stigma. Of people being able to do these reports because we can't do this without data. So they they suspect that there are thousands of sightings by commercial airline pilots that don't get announced, really, uh, or or reported hmm. because they're worried about their career. Right? If they say they saw something they can't explain, now in some cases that's going to be explainable if they had more information, but they don't. They're just like, I'm just not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, do you want to roll up the clip and we can yeah, can uh, I, can uh, get I it? just
3: pulled it up for us
2: a sense for the material evidence and it does have some good context for it too.
4: Arrow is approaching these cases with the highest level of objectivity and analytic rigor. This includes physical testing and employing modeling and simulation to validate our analyses and the underlying theories, and then peer reviewing those results before reaching any conclusions. This is an example of one that I showed at the hearing recently. Uh, This is a spherical orb, metallic, in the Middle East, 2022, by an MQ-9. I will come back to the sensor question that David raised here in a moment. This is a typical example of the thing that we see most of. We see these all over the world, and we see these in, in making very interesting apparent maneuvers. This one in particular, however, I would point out, demonstrated no en- enigmatic technical capabilities And was no threat to airborne safety. While we are still looking at it, I don't have any more data other than that. This is a newly released uh, video. You'll notice there are two dots moving back and forth. There is a plane uh, at the bottom that's moving across the screen, and now there are three dots moving back and forth. The moving back and forth is from the sensor and the platform that's collecting it. This is a a P-3 on a training mission in the Western United States. They picked these up and they tried to intercept and was unable to intercept them. The reason they couldn't catch them is because after further analysis, it was shown that those objects were actually much farther away from the P-3 than they thought. And in fact, when we went even deeper, looked at air traffic control data, we were able to match those to aircraft on a major flight corridor heading into a major airport for landing.
0: Yeah. I never thought that someone could make aliens so boring, but he did. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's interesting. You can watch his congressional testimony too. And that is also interesting, right? Because they're like, you know, you got this congressperson sitting there like hearing from these guys the report and they're like, well, we had this much reports and this much that we were never able to identify. And it's, a lot still, right? So you're getting 600 reports and 100 you can't identify. That's still, or, or really explain. Yeah. And what I liked about that clip is it shows both one that no one can explain. Where's the propulsion in that coming from?
5: Right.
0: I mean, for, for those just listening, it looks like, I mean, something that, I don't, it's hard to tell scale, but it's like the size of a volleyball or something, but just like, just floating, like flying, Static, like through the air, and three of them, like parallel in the sky. The too. second one was, yeah, those no, three, those three lights. The one in the middle east looked like this, just metallic, oh yeah, yeah. ball, like a beach yeah. ball or something like that, just floating through the air. Very, very odd. But I mean, and this is the role I'm going to play on this on this episode <laughs> is the skeptic because I'm, I want to believe, but I also feel like there's just a lot of coincidences here, timing wise. You know, we've we've talked about aliens as sort of this distraction from other things that may be and maybe all more important, etc. Right. I want to believe that aliens are real. I think that they probably are, but I'm also concerned that the government has incentives potentially to be releasing this sort of stuff at a certain time for certain reasons. And I don't know what those are necessarily, but can't this kind of thing be faked? You know, I mean, we live in the world of AI and deep fakes and stuff. Couldn't somebody make that up?
2: I mean, well, it definitely could be deep fake, except for the fact that, except for the fact that we have the, the amount of evidence we do over the amount of different, you know, phenomena, right? If you have uh, both like the Tic Tac video and that showing the same thing, we have credible people saying, you know, this is something that I, that I've experienced. I've seen as I was flying the, the airplane, I saw the thing and I can't explain it. And it wasn't just floating slowly. It was moving so fast. We couldn't keep it on camera or it was so low to the water. If it had a propulsion system it would be affecting the water. Why wasn't it, mm. you know, that sort of evidence That's you true. could be like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a fake. That said, we also have AI algorithms that exist to try to detect fakes, right? And if the government if the government was holding, you know, the, this technology or um, trying to develop those technologies out of crashed craft or non-crashed craft, I guess, there would be two incentives, right? Hide it all, do um, disinformation campaigns right, in order to distract people, and then, you know why, you know, which, when they're going to go is just kind of up to, we don't have the evidence to be able to suggest which one they're actually doing. Right. Right. So in the, in the situation where your knowledge is such that you can neither like confirm and you definitely can't deny it. Right. Um, How should you think about it? Well, I don't think what you should do is say, I know they're here or I believe in what I suggest most people do is suggest is, is hold it at that arm's length. But keep in mind, that it is, it, it, if this is true, it would be the biggest story in a thousand years. Yeah. I and mean, think about it. I mean, the, that, that we are not alone question would be answered. Yeah. Right. And the sociological impacts of that, what are all those? Like, those are tremendous questions that we don't want to face up to or talk about. Yeah.
0: Um, I think and, a part of my skepticism about it is understanding fundamentally, like thinking about it. Okay. I live in a world where we know that extraterrestrial beings are real are visiting us, have been for who knows how long, Yeah. Uh, that's a really fundamental paradigm shift for a person or a population to make. And, I mean, isn't that sort of the grounds for the government if they have been, you know, concealing the existence of aliens? Isn't that why they would do it? Because they think it's going to panic the public? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's dot com. Right. Well, and
3: one of the things, cause like, what would that type of a concealment operation look like? Um, like a lot of people that would be skeptical of like the government conspiracy concealing all this thing. I think they're often thinking that it's like every single person in the government is in on it, but that that's not really the case. It really just requires like a few, like a handful of classified agencies withholding information and it's kind of like and decentralizing the information across these different agencies so no one has every bit nobody has every single bit like you know like i've i've heard from people that have worked on top secret projects before like the sr 71 back in the day at area 51 and it's like they just get their small little piece of the puzzle like they're an engineer on this part of the project and they don't realize what they're building in the long run and then when it's finally declassified decades later they're like oh that's what I was working on. Right. So Wild. it's kind of like, and it would be the same thing with the alien stuff If like, if there are different organizations kind of working on these things, it's probably like some people come in and they have like, they get classified information about their little piece of the pie of this larger puzzle. Right. And that they don't really understand what they're doing. And that's how you keep, that's how you keep all this information concealed. I, I would think on like kind of a major level.
2: Yeah. And you know? the downside to that is the civilians don't get any of the technology. All the benefits don't go to anyone else. But, I mean, I, what, uh, one of the things I'm skeptical of is if it, if we had capabilities like this, what would the implications be foreign policy-wise and domestically? What would we be missing out on? Say you could get a, low, uh, a craft that could go into outer space with a fraction of the fuel cost, a fraction of the energy output, could travel between planets much more efficiently and easily. Uh, What would that would mean for the human race as well? Right. I mean, like would, the downside it, would be tremendous. Right. I mean, if we didn't, if we were just not given that. Oh, right? yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the upside for humanity would be absolutely like fundamentally changing on a species wide level. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all the billions of dollars that Elon is investing in making us a, a, you know, an interplanetary species. It would just I mean, it would. Totally evaporate, like the whole rocketry industry, right? Mm-hmm. If there all of a sudden there was this anti-gravity technology that we could just leverage, you know, or or like, you know, what what are the power implications? What does that mean for utilities and clean energy? And I mean, it, it could it could launch humanity into like a whole new era mm-hmm. of existence. Well,
3: it's I've it's been years since I've looked into the Bob Lazar case, but like, and different people have different qualms about the Bob Lazar case, but Bob Lazar was allegedly a guy that was brought in to work on reverse engineering, a piece of like a crash something, mm-hmm. <laughs> a crash something uh, in at area 51. And, and he was talking about how it was, it's kind of like this uh, gravitational technology, gravitational shifting technology that they were working on. And, you know, and it was the same thing of what I was saying before. It's just like, he got a small piece of the puzzle and he didn't see the larger outcome of everything. So he, it's just like he can only speculate on what he was dealing with, right? Right.
2: Um, and then this intelligence officer like Bob Lazar isn't gaining much from this, right? No. What is he getting? A little bit of fame, kind of, sort of. Also a lot of hate yeah. from his colleagues, the people that he probably most closely identifies with and culturally has the most incentive to care about their opinion of. So why would he do it? Exactly, right? And, and that's the question, right? If you have a long storied career in the intelligence services, and you can go retire and have an easy life why wouldn't you right i mean it, it, well maybe it, because something's true maybe or maybe they're just shooting for 15 minutes of fame and maybe infamy is just as good you got to wonder about that though like why would you why would you burn the bridges of the people whom you are most reliant on for all the things of of human motivation right when uh, both want to be appreciated wanting to be you know, acknowledge for your contributions and all that's washed away. And now you're just a UFO conspiracy theorist.
0: Well, and that's exactly why I look at the other side of it, which is what if this is a mission, a task yeah. that he is being given, you know, a role within the intelligence community to say, it is now your job to bring this information to light, be right. it real or not, and you're carrying out this task on behalf of the government for this specific mm-hmm. intelligence purpose.
2: Yeah. And I would just suggest we don't have any more of that evidence than we do that this is like fake. We certainly or real. don't. Right. But the the incentives
0: Literally. align a little bit more clearly to me, right? Yeah. Like why would a guy throw away a storied career to just blow the whistle on on aliens when you know maybe it'll come out eventually. I mean, is he is he that attached to this issue or is he just doing his job? Yeah. Could but, could
3: also be like A lot of this information, it is a slow doled out release over decades in order to not scare the public, you know, with all the information at once, like you were saying earlier, Joe um like it could be this thing because now it's almost like everybody just, is just accepting it's like oh yeah we're being visited by you know by aliens another planet and now people are mad because they're like show us the bodies like that's what they want now and yeah. it's before ufos was kind of the crazy thing and now we're just like U, ufos make sense <laughs> <laughs>
0: right and you gotta you know, put
3: it like a larger slow doling people into it right?
2: right the larger context why this is so important is because it's official channel is because it's someone within the government is because nasa is hosting this thing is because that they're admitting all these things that for many decades they have denied any programs of. One of the things he's claiming is that these programs exist and and obviously it's confirmed by more, more of a, uh, overt um, actual laws and processes and like the guy from NASA talking. Uh, but there's also the question of, you know, why would he do that? Well, maybe he's doing that because he realizes the total loss of trust in the American public have in their government and he doesn't like that. It could be because he's patriotic. It could be because he wants us to become a multi-planet species faster too because the impending nuclear war, right? Uh, th- that maybe he's a concerned about. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. We we don't we just don't know. But I don't I don't think that the calculation for what our standard of belief is should weigh any more just because we're skeptical of government, we shouldn't necessarily weigh that it necessarily is that. And that's I just see that on I'm not necessarily talking about you. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about on Twitter, right? Well, you'll have something like this come out and there'll just be a bunch of comments just like it's a distraction. Well, wait a minute. Can we chew gum and walk at the same time? I mean, here, I mean, can we both see that there's major stories to cover and that this is an important major thing that's happened? If it's true,
3: it, it also you know, it could be both. Like, right. it could be let's bring this information when it's convenient. Yeah, you know, and and it could be true information, right? It does not it doesn't like it. You, it could be a distraction. It could be used to utilize for you know spending and and getting grants and funding and stuff like that but it's just like you're calculating of and you're being strategic about when you dole out the information it could right. be that
0: mm. well and i think that that's a really interesting pivot into uh that video clip that we have from i believe it's jimmy Dore's show
4: well uh,
3: actually uh it comes from uh, our boy liam McCollum. jimmy Dore was uh used his tweet on the show but i mm-hmm. saw it this morning so yeah i'll pull that up right this, here this is
2: more like a flashback to some yeah, time this ago. is years ago. I mean, yeah, this is uh, and, years
0: ago. And to preface it, this is Paul Krugman, you know, a very popular Keynesian economist, uh, re- columnist for the New York Times, correct? Yep. Um, who is basically making the case that uh, if we wanted, if we had a depressed economy, we could use alien disclosure to rally spending in in the name of defending against an invading force of aliens. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and check the clip out.
3: Like this is the solution for inflation
0: is basically right. what it is. Or all a right. means of creating inflation if there wasn't. Yeah. Alien. All right.
5: Here we go. Maybe Boston's big dig was just fine after all. Think about World War II, right? That was not that was actually negative social product spending and yet it brought us out. I mean partly because you want to put these things together. If we say, look, we could use some inflation Ken and I are both saying that, which is, of course, anathema to a lot of people in, in in Washington, but is in fact what the basic logic says. It's very hard to get inflation in a depressed economy, but if you had a program of government spending plus an expansionary policy by the Fed, you could get that. So, if you think about using all of these things together, you could accomplish you know a great deal. I mean, if if we if we discovered that uh, you know, space aliens were planning to attack and we needed a, a massive buildup to counter the, the space alien threat um, and really inflation and budget deficits took secondary uh, place to that, um, this slump would be over in 18 months. And then if we discovered, whoops, we made a mistake, there aren't actually any space so we aliens. We need Orson We'd wealth be a better. what you're saying. No, that's a, that's a, there was a Twilight Zone episode like this in which uh, scientists fake the uh, alien threat in order to achieve world peace. Well, this time we don't need it. We need it in order to get some fiscal stimulus
3: yeah
1: <laughs> well okay so, a, lot
2: of,
0: a lot of things to talk about yeah there. so
2: yeah i want to talk about the economics there but let's first talk about the aliens i don't think that this is being released because they want to get us out of the, uh, the slump of course i don't think that anyone's suggesting that but it's like that is it a deception in order to get a response from the public what response would they want more paranoia
3: Maybe. Oh, well, I, yeah. I, I think it's I, much more, it's not, nec- especially with the Krugman argument, it's not necessarily a response from the public. It's a response from the officials who are going to vote on policy to give more spending for military programs and things like that so that we can mm. juice the economy with military spending kind of things, right? Mm. right? I think that's what, and I think that's where the world war analogy comes from on Krugman's argument, argument right. here,
2: right? right? So I want to be clear, he's wrong about the Great Depression (laughs) and World War II as that recovered the economy. That's not true. That's been thoroughly debunked over and over and over again. The Great Depression did not end until after World War II. When you look at wealth and people's ability to save and produce, that's when it ended. If you just look at unemployment, yeah, of course, World War II ended the Great Depression from an employment standpoint because we drafted all the unemployed men, right? But we didn't become more wealthy by firebombing Dresden. Right. Right. That's not how it works. You know, all, we destroyed things. We didn't make more things. So if you make tools of destruction, which are sometimes necessary, they don't, nece- they don't increase your productivity or your wealth as a society. Duh. Uh, so it, it, this is an error that happens when you look at the economy as an equation rather than as a generation machine, an organic generation machine for producing wealth. And wealth in this terms is not defined as the amount of money is defined as your ability to access goods and services to solve problems that you have. I'm hungry so I can get food. Well, (laughs) uh, even in the midst of World War II, there were food shortages and major problems Um, and not just caused by government mandates on foods because of government policy and because we uh, all kinds of things that we did throughout the Great Depression with the NRA, Mm -hmm. the National Recovery Act. Um, And and additionally, that I I just it's it's really so would would it create a condition in which if you're in a depressed economy and you started increasing spending and more inflationary aggress- you know more inflation during a re- recession does it actually improve the economy well they tried that in the 1970s repeatedly and it created stagflation so i'm sorry that's not how it works doesn't work yeah, yeah. i don't i just i'm just very skeptical of this i i think i think a more stable monetary policy uh w- it does far better when it comes to creating the things that actually create wealth as opposed to just more economic activity which is different right cuz you can create economic activity by saying dig holes in the ground and then fill them back up that's that's labor that's right. that's that's, <laughs> that's unemployment but that's not producing something of
3: value <laughs> right. right yeah, yeah. but yeah. the the Keynesians aren't going to look at it that way and that's where Krugman's you know <laughs> oh it's <laughs> views his entire lie, thesis, right yeah, right. yeah, it's yeah. His entire thesis that is
2: consumption that is the base of the economy production is the base of the economy it's called say's law right you have to make something before
0: you can consume it right which makes perfect basic rational sense to anyone whether you don't whether you know economics you've taken a course or you just you're uh, you know joe schmo off the street right right you have to make something before you can buy it obviously well and uh
3: going back shifting into the uh back into the alien stuff as well we also had the las vegas thing that just came to <laughs> where it's like you know all these things are coming out at once it's like apparently in somebody's backyard like a day or two ago some somewhat recently there were like these eight foot tall men that showed up and then they just like disappeared yes um,
0: the chronology i saw was there was a a cell phone shot of a green orb of light like crashing actually body camera fit. over oh, was it body camera footage yeah, of no, a police officer okay yeah. that's what it yeah. was yes who
2: then gets called to and then his partner gets called to the scene to investigate when a 911 call at the same time as the like picture from the body camera happens someone uh, sorry soon after calls and says there's someone in my backyard and they're eight feet tall yeah creature and they're looking
0: at me and their eyes are glowing yeah yeah i didn't hear the eyes glowing thing oh yeah yeah it's part
2: of the call yeah we can Um, we can watch the video um, if we want
1: to
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I, i do have the partner coming onto the scene that's the footage that i have right now if we want to look at that it is it's very short but just to give people a bit
0: of a like so this is body cam footage it. from a cop who is responding to this call about the eight foot. Yeah, and he's like talking,
3: record. and he's like warning the people, is like, my partner saw something, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, here's the clip right here.
6: They saw some fall from the sky. They checked their backyard and they saw something with uh, like eight to nine feet, no clothes, green, green colored men, uh, not human, with uh, like the eyes were glowing, and they did not, it was not a human being. So yeah, uh, this. What's that? Yeah, there's multiple people in this home. So we already checked. Huh? Uh, more than one. So if you see anything, just uh, give us a call, okay? Hope you have a good night. Take care.
1: Yeah, so there's a subsequent.
2: subsequent. So, yeah, that, that that one doesn't actually show the thing falling oh, no. out of this guy yeah. like the light and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that, that – that video's out there. Put in the show notes.
0: Yeah, uh, and there's a subsequent clip actually where the responding officer is talking to the people in their front yard who witnessed the thing, the creature in their backyard, and it really hilarious. He's like, "Yeah, if it comes back, uh, don't call us. Just deal with it yourself. I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to do deal with this." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right under this tweet right here. I mean, yeah. Yeah. If we if we want to
3: pull it, it's thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, but pretty solid. Uh
6: they're they're claiming. Uh, eight to nine foot tall is green oh, wait, beans is that were one? in their backyard. Yeah. Sounds crazy, no, but you never is, know. Uh, the, your neighbor, your fine neighbors over here. Uh, but again, I would normally discount it as probably not this real. Right here. Yes, uh, I would normally discount it as nothing. However, um, seeing as one of my partners said they saw it too, only reason I'm actually investigating it further. So if you guys see anything, especially in your backyard, please call 911. We'll come over, okay? We it was this the same it's one. Yeah,
0: a different different clip, one. but it's not Kids the one. Playing
2: Anyways, playing yeah, whatever. whatever. Somebody need to pull that all Do together. One, like, little, like five minutes long. Little,
6: well, not little. Yeah. little.
2: <laughs> It's, it is interesting, too, that it's not little green men. It's giant green men, Yeah, right? That's, well, yeah, that's
3: normally it's, it's the, like, it's the grays, and they're, like, these right. little, small, like, three-foot guys with big heads. Like, that's yeah. always how it's described. But well, this, there are
0: different races of aliens that have been depicted throughout, yeah. like, the conspiracy lore, right? Like, yeah. they're, the, they're the big, tall ones. Then there's and the, the, the shape-shifting lizard men, right? Well, there's <laughs> that, too, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and even going further down that rabbit hole, it's really interesting because there are reports of, anecdotes of, uh, some of these alien sightings happening over and around nuclear sites, right? And even, you know, a, a, a craft will appear, and then like a nuke will be disarmed in some way. And uh, I I don't have the source, but maybe we can dig uh, it up. You Kyle, gotta check but... out
2: Malstrom Air Force Base uh, UFO sighting. Is it's, that... it's, it's, it's it's wasn't that
0: just a Russian balloon?
2: <laughs> 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 this this was like the seventies. I want to say yeah, a while. Ago. It, was, it was some time ago, but it's a it's an interesting. It's an interesting one because it was saw is seen by a lot of military professionals at the at the actual location,
0: right? And so my uh, if you want, if we want to put our tinfoil hats on here for a second, and just you know keep this at arm's length, but this is a theory I'm working on. Okay, <laughs> uh, we are as close as we've ever been as a species since like you know World War II or the Cold War or something to a nuclear event. Is it a coincidence that? extraterrestrial craft or UFOs or UAPs, whatever they're called, have been seen around nuclear sites, disarming nukes. And now we're having this, you know, increased narrative around disclosure and concurrently with the nuclear environment that we're currently in. Right. Is there something going on there? Is, is this disclosure sort of a, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, preparation of the public for potentially increased sightings because we are so close to maybe wiping ourselves off the map that other things are intervening or preparing to intervene well, on our behalf. Adding on to that, like there goes into kind of the
3: very sci-fi oriented theories and a lot of like TV shows and video games have kind of built been built around this idea of maybe there's like this alien civilization or intergalactic body or something that is like guiding the evolution of different species on different planets towards kind of a point so that they can be uplifted into the intergalactic system, you know, like like there's a lot of video games and that are kind of built around that idea. And now they're kind of just guiding us so that we don't kill ourselves at the end of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You're so close, right. You're so close. Yeah, it's like um, it's trying to avoid the problems of the Fermi paradox. Mm-hmm. What right? is that? Fermi paradox is like you have why when we look out and we look for aliens. We we you know have these radio broadcast signals that go out, and we're kind of waiting for them. To come back, right? We're looking, we got the antenna, we had the reception hardware to be able to receive their television, right? As they broadcast it, assuming that they would use a similar technology, but it makes sense, right? There's like a scale up of technology that usually looks that when we look at it post hoc, we think about it in terms of like, well, this has to be the way it worked, right? So when we look out, we don't see anything. We don't get any of those radio waves. We just get like the noise of the cosmos, so the, the Fermi paradox is just the, uh, is, is an explanation, it's a theoretical explanation of that. Of when we look out there and we see, why don't we see anything? Why don't we hear anything when we're listening? Well, what are the filters of civilization that would prevent a civilization from happening? One of them is like asteroid impacts, volcanic eruptions, blah, blah blah blah, blah things that we can witness from our own history. But at one point it gets to the point of, you know, do you have the resources to create advanced life on your planet? right? Like if you just, if you have a planet that's just devoid of steel or, I mean, sorry, iron, um you know, could you build something? You know, that's difficult. We don't, we don't really have a model for that. So that could be a filter. And then another one being like, if you're going to get to a, a type one civilization, right? I mean, like you can span between the planets in your own solar system. You know, you need rocket fuel and all these, all these other things. We have a relatively wealthy planet, but we don't know how wealthy other planets are. So there's a lot of unknowns there. And then one of those filters is things like, do you destroy yourselves? You know, with in the case of like you get nuclear weapons, do you start shooting them off at each other, or do you resist that temptation? Mm. So, and that's just one of the many filters of the Fermi paradox. Interesting. Yeah, Cause, because 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 mathematically, if you just do the math of how many planets there are, how many solar systems are, how old the um, the universe is, it should it should be noisy out there, but
3: it isn't. So why? Unless we're the first ones that are, you know, yeah, like there, there's a, I, I think there's a few arguments is like, we could be the first ones to be kind of ascending, but, um, but that, that doesn't play on the map is yeah. the trick because of the age of the but, universe, but it is statistics, you know, like right. statistically it's highly unlikely that we would be like the first ones to be rising to the top,
0: but right. we could be, we could right. be the first ones rising to the top. Right. Or we could um, be so far behind that the technology that they're broadcasting is just something we can't Receive and it's not like I mean if you're an advanced civilization are you going to think like oh yeah I'm just going to go back and like send the the equivalent of smoke signals out into the you know cosmos trying right. to reach these like you know little peons of a of human civilization right? I I do, I do find it funny that not.
3: that these entities that are have some that have managed to get faster than light travel seem to keep crashing into our <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> that's another one into into
2: with the new thing it, a nuclear weapon to something that can span. The spaces of space, like the distance between solar systems, would be child's play. Right, right. So why would they be so interested in, in nuclear fission? Well,
0: in in preventing us. From well, I, I think it's solar. more. It's not that yeah.
3: they're interested in nuclear fission. I think it's they're interested in us with nuclear fission. Yeah, right,
0: right. They're trying to pre- they're
2: prevent us from destroying yeah. ourselves. Well, you, I, you I know, kinda, mean, I, I mean, I mean, it's the same way like like a like a,
3: like a like a savior
2: desire like it's like a pattern of savior desire could be yeah
3: but it's the same thing of like we're very interested in in apes that have started to use stone like 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 a lot of variations of primates have like basically entered the stone age and they're 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 conceptualizing the the usefulness of using rocks to hit things to be able to like you know break open stuff and things like that like that's those are stone age patterns Mm -hmm. that we've been through before and we get very interested in watching that right and this you know be the same thing of like if we're going out to other galaxies and we're finding life on planets, we'd be very invested in watching and studying them and how they evolve. Right. Mm, like, true. Oh, like, true. Like, like yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> thinking like, like that goes into the theory of like, we're a lab experiment almost like we right. were just, the earth is a big lab for as a observation deck. Right. <laughs> or we're
0: just all uh farm animals designed to mine gold and uh, you know, usher it back and, and, to then the they harv- and then they harvest us and then they take all the resources <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, exactly. well once again yeah.
2: like, like mining would become really easy if you can crack a planet yeah right? like if you the, can travel
0: I mean you can go to an asteroid and just right. pull all the gold off an asteroid right you know you don't need to like create if a, you have interstellar travel like a lot of those problems become
2: like eh, are they pro- like, yeah. like I was uh, like a sci-fi story about like aliens who come here for our resources I'm like That seems like a motivation that someone who's resource deficient has. But if you are, if you have artificial intelligence and the ability for interstellar, interstellar travel, what,
3: why do you care about resources? Like you don't,
2: you just build a robot that goes and mines a planet for you. Well, okay. There's also
3: just usefulness and population expansion. Like it could be looking at us like, like we do animals, like animal husbandry. Like we're just hu- human husbandry for the, for the we're other species, right? <laughs> we're, like we're, we're the beasts of burden in this, in the scenario. Right. Mm, <laughs> could be that's that.
0: Fair. That's fair. I mean, I, 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 I'm still thinking about what you said. Like there are these crafts that ha- can travel at the speed of light, but they're crashing into our planet. And that just like has, Project Bluebeam just bouncing around in my head, you know, and another reference that just a little bit. I, I, another element. I can yeah, yeah. forget that. So Bluebeam is a, a theory put forth by this guy, um, Sergei Manast. Um, and basically it's, it's a, the idea that the government, um, kind of led by NASA and the UN would, would use lasers and holograms to create fake alien craft to, convince the people that you know these these extraterrestrials had come to the planet in order to sort of galvanize the public or basically strike fear into us to cause us to succumb to a global totalitarian government Hmm. and not just that goes a step further they'd use these lasers and holograms to create images and uh, of like all of the the prophets basically of the major global religions to give people these like religious experiences to make them feel like the, the rapture was coming. And also use other technologies to like, and this goes deep. This is like really deep.
2: <laughs> I was like, can you do that with lasers? I mean, heaven well, tell us. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe in advanced technology,
0: maybe. Yeah. But
3: but this this Las Vegas thing kind of feels like it could be something in that realm. Like, if you're just gonna open up your mind to it, yeah. of like, okay, these like two eight foot tall men crashed into this backyard there's no marks or anything like that yeah, and like, then they just disappeared like well, it like was a very a, weird Or well, unless it's interdimensional or something like that too right <laughs> like there was a report of
0: that. a of a uh, black suv circling the area where the crash happened so it could have just been they swooped in and you know shepherded it away men in black come in yeah do the mind wipe everybody and never happened
3: well yeah well and this this goes into some of the like other cia operations like we're going full deep dive here <laughs> right here <laughs> yeah. is um uh like it, it, some of it kind of reminds me of what you were what you were saying kind of reminds me of operation stargate which is a something that's been de- declassified uh, the, the movie minutes men who stare at goats was a comedic take on this operation but the whole idea was basically going into people's minds and seeing if you can use like people's minds for like psychic powers kind of a thing to be able to like astral project and to uh like possibly conduct assassinations and things like that. Well, like, it was declassified that the CIA was working on operation stargate and using it as like a study, but what the results of that study were, we have no idea. Right. Interesting. Um, but it does kind of make me like the astral projection thought process is like, maybe that's the way the means of traveling faster than light is it's more like an astral projection type of thing. Right.
0: Very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the furthest out part of the blue beam project blue beam conspiracy is that they would have, technology to actually be able to affect people's internal dialogue and inject into them like the voice of God, effectively making them think that like their deity was, was like communicating directly with them to cause them to do things that well, if, they wanted if, them to do. If which consciousness
3: is, seems to be this like electromagnetic waves and it's like, you know, that type of thing, maybe there's some way of tapping into that or, you know, You know, all this is kind of who knows, right? What
0: episode was (laughs) it that we were talking about, you know, reading your brainwaves and telling (laughs) if you had a crush on your coworker or whatever, like that that clip from the WEF? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a while ago. This is coming together a little bit for me. Well, and uh,
3: some of these reports I've seen before, and I don't know how credible they are, it's like they'll be talking about how they went in and they went into this room with a gray. It was like at a place like area 51 or some offsite place. And there's like the gray that they were helping out was, uh, was speaking to them telepathically. You know, like I've seen those types of things before as well, yeah. but I don't know how credible those things are. Right. Um, but you know, if, if we're talking about these little gray men, let's say hypothetically they're real, and they have these big brains. Maybe that's just how their evolution has gone where they have like, they, they use much more of their brain and they're able to connect into, you know, that type of stuff. Like, who, who, who knows? Like, I who don't knows? know. I'll keep an open mind though. So there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a
2: documentary on Amazon and Joe Rogan just interviewed the maker of it. It's called Moment of Contact about a Brazil experience where this place in Brazil, uh, Virginia or something like that, uh, there's an alien craft crashes, eyewitness testimony, all these people very fascinating and how it patterns and layers a lot. a lot of things you see, but also violate some of those. But one of the things that they claim, and they have this guy who is like a radiologist who's yeah. supposed to radiolog- like take the x-rays of this black bag of what looks like a small child, but he can't open it. These government agents are like standing over him. They won't let him do it, but he's supposed to do his job. And he hears in his head these voices as he's doing it like and just matter this is some some dude you know (laughs) like and you have this experience and then the government agents leave and you're just supposed to just like
3: and and and, like how are you how are you supposed to explain that to people right right, like this this thing happened to me and also you're probably like this is classified information you got these guys in black suvs coming to your your city in brazil and you know all this stuff and like what are you supposed to do about that
0: yeah it's a fascinating documentary it's worth watching cool check it out should we pivot to uh, non-tinfoil hat Yeah, uh, let's take, conversation?
2: The, take the hats off.
0: <laughs> We're back to regular conspiracy. I, 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 I think
3: everything on our docket is kind of tinfoil hat, right? Well, <laughs> or, It's just that sort of week. Or was. Sometimes you have tinfoil
0: hat weeks, it's you know?
2: We've got to lean into,
0: into it. Here we are. Well, second on the list is this biden bribery case david do you want to explain the context here what's going on so what's
2: interesting here is this is something that's been mentioned for some time uh that uh, both that the biden's withheld funds in an illegal way in order to get this prosecutor fired because he was looking into a company that he's involved with burisma and this has been percolating for god five years or something like that long time um one of the things that happened this week is the house oversight committee chairman james comer said monday that in an if uh, the fbi informant um report is accusing the Biden administration of $5 million of bribery scheme that took place while he was vice president, which is pretty substantial, right? If there's material evidence of that, uh, this involves shell companies, which is interesting because, you know, Burisma is not a shell company, but it's like if there's related shell companies that are getting contracts, not to mention the Hunter Biden situation. And the FBI official told him that's part of an active investigation. So you you could have a situation where the FBI is investigating the current president while also... Uh, the DOJ is indicting the last president. We live in a weird moment, dude. <laughs> I mean, and the, the 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 um Representative Comer from uh, Kentucky, uh, he says that the 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 person who's bringing this forward is highly credible informant. Um, and that's once again we don't. This is interesting, right? Because he's not releasing the name of the informant, much like Seymour Hersh did not release the names of his informants working with him. But this guy's a freaking congressman, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you if you say like. What is your standard of evidence for belief? Maybe that's the theme of today's video. I, part of it has to be credibility, right? And what is credibility? How do you negotiate what is considered credible? Like, to me, credibility is this doesn't actually fit their books. It doesn't actually have a lot of incentives for them to do. The existing FBI, I mean, like, for example, if you listen to like Tim Cast and so the other pockets, I love those guys, they're great. But one of the things that their mental model they just start out with is that all the government agencies work for the Democrats, Right. Maybe it's more complicated than that, yeah. right? So like, if there's a counterfactual happening that might make them lean into this, but there's also the counterfactual that might you might want to consider leaning out.
0: Well, the first question on my mind actually was, uh, Comer is a Republican, correct? Mm-hmm. So, what is there a partisan component to this where oh, he, sure. as a Republican, is are bringing these you know a- allegations against a Democratic president?
2: Right, right, right. I mean, it, it, but if there's no there there, he has a tremendous reputational loss. There's downside risk, risk for him. Right, yeah. right. I mean. Um, if he says this informant exists, but then you know it comes to a head and there's no material
0: evidence, then he just looks like a goofball. Yeah, right. But perhaps not within his own party, maybe.
2: Right? Yeah, and that the, and there is a there is a weird part of that with the media cycle, right? Where a lot of these things happen very slowly. I mean, and we're slow because we do a, a weekly show, right? Well, hopefully, we can get some development, but over a longer period of time, there's not a lot of incentive to look back and actually confirm that. Now we do have examples of that where it did happen and it had tremendous consequence. The Durham report is a good example where the Russia Gate scandal pretty much had a final investigation. It came out and had its own news cycle that the entire thing was BS and that it was effectively a, a, a scam.
0: Well, it did, but was that as far-reaching as the just complete media barrage for the last six years or whatever right. over all of this stuff? Like, I don't think so. It's much to me like mm. the New York Times coming back after publishing something that's wrong, letting that go through the me- the news cycle. And then, you know, issuing a little r- update retraction at the bottom of the article after it's already left the news cycle right. to correct some glaring error that basically undermines the credibility of their entire article. Right. It's <laughs> right. like, how much impact is it really? Yeah. It's have? like you yeah. indoctrinate a population
3: into a certain belief and over years of time. And then you come back with like a very, uh, we'll talk about this for a week kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, right. It's like- oh, by the way, we messed this up, but
0: look at this thing over here, aliens. (laughs) But it's
2: a tremendous opportunity for the people who are trying to build the movement of people who are skeptical of government intervention and the state, right? Because it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, everything you've learned is false. And that forbidden knowledge or knowledge you didn't know you needed is a tremendously intoxicating thing. That's why conspiracy theories are so tempting, right? That's why it's easy to overextend in them is because you get the feeling like you're on the inside of something important and secret and different from the world that's around you it has magic to it in that sense so i um it's it's a funny thing right because we have tremendous evidence of the government lying to us right uh we have tremendous evidence of you know presidents who are corrupt right (laughs) who are taking you know like i i don't think that's that's someone with power abusing that power for their own personal gain i can't imagine unheard of but okay. we, we, we shouldn't also just – and we should be extra careful when it fits our books, right? When you're a Republican, it's against a Democrat or a Democrat, it's a Republican. Right. So the mental model that I am always trying to develop and encourage is one of you know, holding close to things that work both deductively from your first principles and then holding further away things that re- re- require extraordinary evidence. And then like in between, you're negotiating between those things, right? So UFOs exist somewhere in that space to me of holding away, but not being the kind of person who's like, it must be a psyop or it must be all false or it must be all true. Right. Right. You have to, you have to kind of negotiate
3: between those those things well, yeah in, in, and likely in all of these types of situations it's always somewhere in between all of that mm-hmm. like that tends to be because you're going to end up having like like on the alien stuff now you're gonna you're gonna end up having these people going with these like wild theories that start to get percolated across the internet right and really it's probably less so than that or or a lot of like the epstein stuff like there starts to become very vast uh you know, large scale conspiracy ideas that come out of that. But really it's somewhere probably a little bit more toned down, down than that. Although the Epstein stuff looks pretty damning in a lot of ways, yeah, but like, right. yeah, you know, there's always going to be, these things are going to exist on a spectrum in some way. Right. right. There's yeah, a absolutely. huge
2: difference between, between saying all the elites are reptiles and all the elites are yeah. or, or, and, or all the and, elites and, are
3: reptiles or just Hillary Clinton's a reptile right, <laughs> right.
2: or, or getting, or getting further down that some are, or that some participate in a particular culture that is, you know, that in, in emphasizes sex with underage kids. That That's a terrifying idea in itself. And the problem is, is that the the more restrained vision gets combined with the more expansive vision in the popular imagination. And then, therefore, the more restrained vision looks crazy. Yeah. While you're trying to just say, like, look, I'm just, I'm responding to the evidence here. And that's also what the people who believe that everyone's a reptile, <laughs> right, <laughs> sure. they are saying. So that's that. That's the difference. How do you distinguish yourself uh, between those two relies on an intelligence of the audience to like engage maturely with the fact that, you know, one, I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm really just trying to respond to things as I see them. And then two, you know, requiring of them to be like, it's, it's, we have a temptation to say, this is what's true. And like, that's our media source, right? Where it's like, it might be true. You know, like we don't know, right? There's a tremendous amount of unknown here because what we're talking about very specifically in this case and in the, on all the cases that we're covering today, that um, there are a lot of people between us and the actual phenomena, and a lot of those people are very specifically secret agencies designed to be withheld information from the public. right? And Uh, to,
0: in some cases, dispel you know disseminate false information.
3: Well right. it, a, another element too is just the use of the word conspiracy theory as a way of like weaponizing against people that are being skeptical about things like there's you also got to be cognizant of that like the word conspiracy theory didn't enter public lexicon until 1964 like after the JFK stuff cuz so many people were percolating all these ideas about JFK and what happened you know now 50 years later we're starting to get a bunch of stuff is like oh the CIA was involved in this stuff but um but the word itself w- was not a a term that was used in public parlance until the 1960s. And, and it seemed to be a way of like just weaponizing against people that are going against orthodox opinions. Mm It's just like, don't listen to them conspiracy theory. Right. Right. But there is a, a, like in the object of finding truth, like there are elements of, you have to be skeptical of things and you have to be able to entertain thoughts that might be outside of the public lexicon. Mm
0: So, yeah. I know we're kind of we're, we're up against a bit of a time crunch here today, so I want to make sure we get time to, to dig into this SEC thing because I yeah. do think that's some really interesting emergence. Uh, bef- before
3: that, if we have the time, there's also the Trump indictment. We right? did gloss
0: over it slightly. Is there is there more there we want to kind of dig well, in it, on? Pretty at, at minimum,
2: it has to be mentioned that these are this is an accusation that that, that Trump held on to top secret material after becoming pre- after no longer being president president and uh, in prosecuting them under the 1970, 1917 Espionage Act. We don't have the time to get into it right now, but definitely check out Glenn Gringwald's breakdown of the 1917 Espionage Act. That is the common cause of a tremendous amount of problems with the US security state. That is the initial, then the church commission as a reform of that, and then in the response to 9-11 bringing, like expanding it again, right? So we have this interesting bell curve of, of that where the more latitude you give a secret organization who can raise its own funds and do all this shady stuff, they may abuse it. And you know, if you're more skeptical, they probably will. And that's what we're what we're kind of seeing is that this is, um, you know, mishandling and classified documents is quite But now Biden had a bunch of classified documents in his garage, and, and other places, Yeah, like right? Many other places. Uh, and and there's. The, 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 you know, a overflowing, the internet overfloweth with banana republic memes, right? Of a sitting public president prosecuting someone who's running against him, who's a former president. I mean, that's like, that's a, it's, an, it, it's a watershed moment potentially for the current moment. Like we would look at how chaotic the news cycle is right now. It's what is our country coming to sort of moment for, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. When, you know, whatever you think about Trump, he is an existing, <laughs> He's a former president and then running for president now to have the the DOJ come after him on something that is so hypocritical of the Biden administration is, is concerning for a lot of folks, I think.
0: Well, it is. And I think that you raise a very important point there that bears repeating. And that is that no, no matter what you think of Trump, you need to think about the larger systemic ramifications of what this all means, right? And maybe put aside some of the emotional reactions you have to the person that Trump is and understand that this could be tremendously detrimental to the function of our government of uh, uh, the the health the possibility that, that we have of getting back to an actual constitutional republic ever mm-hmm in this country?
3: Well, I think it raises a question. It's like everybody wants their third rail candidate to come in. Like uh, you might be an RFK junior person, a Ron Paul person, you know, a Vivek Ramaswamy person, a Trump person. And I think a lot of the Trump moment in the Trump presidency showcases what happens when you're the outsider that tries to come in and tries to disrupt this big gigantic blob, as we often like to call it, um, and how much hell they will raise for you when you do that, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: it does illustrate kind of how, how either angry or afraid they are of Trump. That just the the litany, the the chronology of all of the things that they've they've thrown against him. It's it is in and of itself its own phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting to have observed.
2: And especially that. because it's not working yet they keep doing it. Right. So yeah. like
0: the last indictment
2: made
3: him more popular. Well and it's I think it's an example of the the new age, the digital age that we're in, right? Like we're right. watching the breakdown of the media. Like we've it's very much like the Gutenberg press. You can't control the noble lies anymore. And certain people are navigating through it very well, and Trump's one of those well, we people. Got, we got Cuomo saying this will make Trump more popular, right? Do we you want me to pro play the clip? Matt Taibbi
2: saying that. I mean, look, real quick, sure. yeah, real quick. All right, here. So, uh,
1: so these concerns, you know, everybody loves conspiracies these days. I'm not so sure that these investigations uh, aren't done in a way that winds up intentionally or unintentionally helping. Uh, the former president to be honest because every time there's a swing it seems to expose the fact that they go after him with what seems to be at or below a level of anything that would be impressive to people reviewing the documents what's your take on this
3: yeah i I agree with you i mean i'm I'm obviously not a fan of donald trump i wrote a book about the guy called insane clown president um but you know my feeling is if you're going to take the very extreme step of
2: uh, indicting somebody who is the likely nominee of the opposition
3: party. Uh, the, 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 charge has to meet two tests. It has to be extremely
1: serious and it has to be an airtight case. And I think both of these cases fail, uh, on both of those points. Um, yeah. You know, a buddy of mine, who's a, a very smart guy, uh, and a lawyer, but you know, just a kind of consumer of, uh, all things relevant like yourself, He was like, hey, I don't care that it's during the election. The fact that you're running shouldn't shield you. Maybe he's running because he knows it's his best defense on these things. Maybe. But I think that to the majority, the optics are terrible if you're swinging at somebody during an election and you don't have what we deem the goods. Now, what does that look like in this case? Do you think it comes down to, well, what are the documents he was keeping? I'll close it there. but
2: Yeah, and that's a really great framework, right? Because they had four years to do this. Three years, really. Uh, and yet they potentially waited for the election. Is that for the election effects of it? And if the election effects blow back and they actually get worse, there's a certain amount of people who kind of want Trump to be the, the nominee because they think he's the most likely to lose against Biden. So there are all kinds Which of ways Which seemed to be the case in the 2016
3: political. election with the Hillary Clinton emails as they were trying to prop up him so that he would mm-hmm. be an easy victory for Hillary, right? Mm-hmm.
2: More so the media than the intelligence state but uh, or the DOJ. But this, the, this could be the incentive. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. So the SEC.
3: Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on the SEC in in my world right now, um, for those that don't know, I'm, I might get technical at sometimes when I'm breaking this down. So feel free to stop me. Um, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they have uh, they have sued both Coinbase and Binance. Binance is the largest crypto exchange in the world. Coinbase is probably the largest one in the in, in America right now, and they've sued them for. Um, selling unregistered securities. But one of the big problems that's happening right now in the crypto space is that there's very, there's an extreme lack of regulatory clarity in America right now. And and nobody really understands what's a security, what's a commodity. And anytime any of these entities try to go to Gary Gensler and the SEC and trying to be like, Hey, what are we doing right here? Uh, They basically just get radio silence from the SEC. So what's happening right now is that this is a very clear example of just regulation through enforcement rather than like actually putting things into law and saying what, what these entities can and can't do it right now. It's just like, you know, um, Coinbase went public, uh, like a year or two ago and, and, you know, they had all these conversations with the SEC is like, this is what we're doing. Just like, let us know if anything's wrong with what we're selling here. Like what's under your purview? What can, and can't we do? And the SEC is just like, yeah, it's fine. You go, go for it. And now here without kind of, without any warning, they just kind of come in and they're just like, oh yeah, you're selling 13 unregistered securities. We're suing you right now. Right. So that's essentially what's
0: happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems very arbitrary. Very and arbitrary. Is there timing to this? I
3: don't know if there's timing to this necessarily. Um, maybe, maybe there's something like that. Uh, Gary Ginsler is a very complicated man in this regard because he used to teach classes on blockchain, like four colleges before he was the SEC chair, and he seemed to kind of understand the industry. But now as SEC chair, it's just like, we don't need these renegade currencies going around. We have the dollar. We have the yuan. You know? That's <laughs> yeah, an actual like a, quote.
2: He's literally on, on, on television on CNBC. we don't this. need yeah, digital currencies from private actors. We have the US dollar.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just like everything now is, is already digital. So why do we need these other digital things? Like that's essentially the point right. that he's making. Right? And Imagine that for
2: a moment, that the government is telling you, why do you need that? After all, we provide that. Mm -hmm. right? That is a mafia-like approach to governance, right? That is saying that the government isn't there to say, hey, here's something I could use to protect people. So I'm going to let you know about what you can and can't do in order to protect people. What they're saying is, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. I'm just going to come after you when I feel like it. Uh, And then I'm going to force everyone into the same way of doing their finances. And it has to be within the system that I pre-approve, the traditional system. The system that all, a lot of these people
3: have made their fortunes on in the first place. right? Well, and the what defines something as a security is an old law called the Howey Test that's back from the 1930s. So we're talking about new technology that's come in in the last 10 years right now, and we're using a 1930s law to determine what is and what isn't a security right now. And it's just like, we're living in a different ecosystem right now. So like that's right. why we have such a lack of regulatory clarity. Mm-hmm. So when this is what Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase is saying, is just like, with us not knowing how to operate, you're just sending all this new in- industry, all this new innovation overseas right now. Like, like I'm, I'm hearing from people in the crypto space is Like I would rather live in Asia right now, somewhere in Asia than operate in the United States, because I don't know if what I'm doing is illegal or not. Like they're, mm. they're not confirming with me. I can't, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, the land of the free was like, well, it's very difficult to re- operate a business right now for a lot of people in the tech space. Cause we don't know how free we are to operate that business. Mm. Um, so, yeah, th- that's that's kind of the big thing right now. So, um, so why,
2: why does that matter? If you're not a crypto person, why does it matter? That's the question. Um, because we as soon as we said cryptocurrency, a bunch of people went, oh, yeah,
3: and they don't. They well, don't especially, know especially right now in the midst of the bear market, where yeah. it's like nobody cares anymore.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, I, I think what it matters right now is like, especially if you're kind of if you have this like American ex- exceptionalism attitude, is just like. Are we going to be on the forefront of new technologies, or are we going to let other other countries be on the forefront of these new technologies? It's like, like the crypto ecosystem, crypto AI, all this stuff. All like, I I think AI is kind of in the similar boat. There's going to be these types of problems that occur because government overreach is going to try to clamp down on certain things. Like, do we want to be on the forefront of the new technology that's kind of going to kind of like usher in the new uh, the new innovation that's going to continue to push us forward? Or are we going to let everybody else get on board? Because tons of the other nations that are, you know, first world countries, they have regulatory clarity right now and they they're able to operate. They know what the rules of the game are right now. Right now in America, we don't know what the rules are. It's we're kind of just all guessing.
2: Yeah. But (laughs) let me let me let me be the liberal real quick. But some people bought a currency and then value went down and now they don't have as much money as they once had.
3: Some people bought the value of something and the value went up <laughs> and they have more money right now.
2: Like <laughs> have you ever bought a stock before or invested in a business yeah, sometimes like, have it you ever go have up. you ever
3: put your money in a bank? Sometimes the money goes away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there is risk in the world. Right? Yes. There is but the risk. government exists to remove all the risk, of right? Course. Isn't that the purpose of government is to Well they
3: just displace the risk
2: to the taxpayer. And, taxpayers. and, and here, <laughs>
3: here's the thing is like most people know about the FTX story, Sam bankman freed, FTX collapsed. Um the SEC didn't catch that. In fact, the SEC was having a bunch of backroom meetings that might be coming out. I, I know um, uh, Representative uh, Emmer, the House Majority Whip, is kind of looking into certain things that were happening in the background there. But like, the the SEC was not did not find anything with ftx like ftx went under the f they they were in conversations they were the ones that were doing all the lobbying for the regulations they were the good boys even though they're operating out in the bahamas
2: right like well and and it's important to remember the scale they failed by billions and billions of dollars 10 billion dollars yeah and 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 failed without doing any of the basics of accounting that even a small business would do Right and like and, and the they were on, didn't on catch quickbooks that. yeah right. like, <laughs> the SEC didn't catch that but now they're coming after Coinbase who's actually trying to do the job right and isn't failing and isn't a activist organization masquerading as a as a cryptocurrency business and they're the
3: ones who are actually getting sued by the SEC. Well, and there's also an element too of like you actually have two organizations at play here because Bitcoin is pretty widely determined it's a commodity a commodity because of its history and there's a whole reason for that. Ethereum's kind of getting into that that wheelhouse, but there's a lot of these other crypto companies where they are kind of operating under centralized institutions and things like that. So like there is like is it a security or not is is a question. But so you have kind of in these exchanges like Coinbase, there's they're operating under two major purviews. It's the CFTC, which is looks after commodities, and then it's the SEC, which looks after securities. Mm. But the rules that the CFTC and the SEC have don't comply with each other. <laughs> so, Classic, so So right. you, you almost have like this turf war of who has the jurisdiction over these organizations right now. Right. And, and there's no clarity between the two. Right. Right? And then
2: you have Coinbase, who's both registered as a brokerage so they can do securities, and they have commodities like licensing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They don't use the brokerage, right? Because traditionally it's all been considered commodity. And so they go to the SEC and they say, hey, we have this old licensure. We can just bring this back and we can do it under that. No problem. Hey, we'll, we'll comply. Just yeah. we'll do it through that that mechanism. Like and they're allow like, us no, to comply. Still, yeah. Like,
3: like that's what Brian Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. He goes to DC and he's just like, "Please let me have a meeting with Gary Gensler. I've never met him face to face yet." Yeah. <laughs> like, this is wow. the largest
2: exchange in the in in the world, right? I uh, mean, co- Coinbase, coinbase and, is in America. Binance yeah. is the world. Oh, okay. So it's just, it's so crazy. And and another reason why this should matter to everyday people is like, what kind of country do I want to live in? American exceptionally, But also, what kind of state do you want to have? Do you want to have a mafia-like state that comes in and just persecutes you because you're not greasing the skids well? You're not Sam Bakeman-Fried? You're just some company trying to sell uh, something that people want? I mean, what sort of world do you want to live in? One where the state has to tell you ahead of time, maybe even assess the economic damages of the regulations, like the RAINS Act? Or do you want one where they can just arbitrarily come in and fleece you? Because right. that's what we're experiencing right now with this story.
0: It's very interesting because I don't, I certainly don't think of Brian Armstrong as an outsider. I mean, as the, the first crypto exchange to go public and, you know, a very major way like they did, I mean, he, he's familiar it's it's is it interesting to me to hear that he's never met Gary Gensler that is odd i i don't understand of, brian
3: armstrong i think is one part. of the great heroes in the crypto space right now over the last couple of years he's been one of those people to me like like the, a lot of people always had cuz in the crypto space there's kind of this like centralized institutions versus decentralized like trustless organizations and so there's always a skepticism towards these centralized exchanges like ftx like coinbase mm-hmm. like binance right um and uh, so like there there kind of ends up being that, but like Brian has been a very good representative of the crypto industry as a whole and and really educating like our legislators about things. Like he's over the last two years, I've become more and more impressed with him. He's a fellow bald like you, uh, um, okay. Dave <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> Speedwatch,
2: Gary Gensler. <laughs> Is a perfect name. He's a bad. A he's, a, he's a bad bald. He's a bad balls. <laughs> uh, super villain, right? It's like it's like Peter Parker, Gary Gensler, like oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> he's uh, got good like, villain vibes. He's though. got some serious Gary Gensler, yeah. you know. Like, oof, <laughs> oof
3: yeah. there, There's a lot of weight to that name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Brian and Brian is also uh, I know on the Coinbase Foundation side, they're doing a lot of stuff now, 501c3, I believe, of uh, giving giving uh, basically the industry more direct access of understanding how the, all the different congressmen and, and senators are on crypto. Like they're mm. doing a very grassroots, like here's a way to get in touch with your uh, your senator. Here's like a scorecard of, of how they are on these issues. Mm. They're kind of putting all that stuff together, which goes to something I've said before, where I think uh, the crypto world, the crypto lobby is going to be a, a much more um, central force in our politics going forward. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of it happen in the 2024 campaign. We had... Um, Vivek Ramaswamy and RFK Jr., they spoke at the Bitcoin conference and, and said how important this is, uh, relating it to things like the Canadian trucker movement of when all these people's banks got shut down, they were still able to use Bitcoin. Um, I think that there's there's certain turf wars that are happening. There's monetary wars that are happening right now. So. Right.
2: And, and like to, to, to land that fully, man, think about a moment. How, how much do we talk about how the Federal Reserve is a terrible institution that's causing a lot of the financial chaos right now? How much we talk about how people's savings are being evaporated in front of them. Now, not suggesting you put all your savings into crypto. Not everybody's Kyle. But uh, (laughs) when you think about it, like the government wants a monopoly and they don't like competition. So if what their whole goal here is to say, why do we need any digital assets? We have the US dollar. It's to force you into their control. And if you break it down that far, what you're looking at is a once again mafia like situation where what they want is to control you via the money. And, and we got RFK Junior., a Democrat, saying that that's a problem. So this is, I think, totally out of touch. Everyday people have a total, a uh, great opportunity here to say, you know, I'm not into crypto, but I don't want the government to tell me what I can and can't buy uh, freely with my own money. That, that's a, that's what we mean when we say economic freedom. It's the economic right to do with your own money what fits your values and allows
3: you to solve problems in your world. Absolutely. Um, and like I guess to pin a uh, pin a bow on that one um, under Obama there was a there was a thing called Operation choke point which was a way of squeezing firearms companies and tobacco dispensaries out of their banking um, you know it's just good way to crack down on people is like if you can't do business and have a bank account like you know it's very difficult to do business right and this is starting to happen in the crypto industry it's pretty much widely understood that if you're a if you're a publicly facing crypto friendly bank is like you are a target right now and there's already a lot of the uh on ramps for people like visa will cut you out and and block your payment if you're trying to like buy off moon pay directly with visa or mastercard they will they will often just like block your your transaction for if you're just trying to buy some ethereum quickly you know that type of stuff like these types of things are happening right now and like be, be wary like the banking and i think the canadian trucker example is like the perfect indicator of like there's a some there's this thing it kind of went against the establishment went against the institutions they locked people out of their bank accounts they targeted individual civilians and that type of stuff is happening right here in america as well so like be very wary of that just understand that this is one of the control mechanisms for people and uh and crypto in my mind is one of the ways to try to get around that but they are trying to close off the exits for a lot of people right. uh, to keep you trapped in the monetary system because like what keeps the u.s dollar going it's just blind faith that it's going to keep going <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, at the end of the day that's what it is and that's what most monetary you know um wars are kind of based around it's just like it's a battle of faith mm. so
0: as are a lot of things including aliens and a lot of the other stuff we talked about today it's a great podcast. It? You that was it? quick. Yeah. wrapping it up. It was, yeah.
3: wild. We got very conspiratorial.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we did. We went deep. But you know, you gotta do it sometimes. When when the news is out there, we just we just uh, talk about it, right? Trying to cover the important stuff. And
2: it, I, I I can't tell you how many times we've had aliens on the docket, even crypto on the docket, and we just bumped it down because there was like more important stuff. We didn't talk about the dam in Russia. We didn't talk about. A bunch of other stuff, just because it's a cr- it was a crazy week.
3: Was a crazy week,
2: and you know we need we need to we need to make sure we cover everything, and we've done a lot of foreign policy. So
0: yep. Yeah. Well, next time I'm sure there will be more news out of Ukraine and Russia for us to talk about <laughs> yeah, next sure. week.
3: There will be a new drone that hits the Kremlin. <laughs> 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 yeah, the spring, the
2: spring offensive
3: is kind of starting up, is what
2: they say, but it's going not very well. A lot of reports are suggesting them. There's a lot going on in that in that
0: front that we need to cover, and we will do so next time. For now, we really appreciate you watching. For David Rand, Kyle Mack, and Evan Koch back there on the buttons. We appreciate you. See you next time.
3: See ya.